Have you ever wanted to design your own fictional alphabet? You guys yeah, ever wanted to yeah, do that? I have. Um, see, that's fantastic because <laughs> strap in because we're going to be talking about just that. And the fact that you have means you actually might have something uh, interesting to, to share that we're not aware of. So that's good. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. (laughs) I'm your co-host, Brandon. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Brandon, welcome back. Hi. You reproduced. I reproduced. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we had... He's like an ooze. We had a baby. It just keeps splitting. Yeah, we had a six-pound, six-ounce baby boy. His name's Damien. And I love I love that name by the way because when yeah. you get when you get that like super Christian old lady she's like oh what's his name he's like his name's Damien she's like okay <laughs> isn't that the name of the son of the devil that no. depends that's why I look like that's why I said that's why it depends well congratulations and welcome back uh, yeah thanks um, for having me back I'm so fucking tired <laughs> yeah but it looks like you're both tired I mean I can't tell through a steel helmet but <laughs> Ian's wearing his armored helmet well, Ian why don't you tell us about that. Yep, I went to the Renaissance Fair this weekend and had a blast. Walked out with a helmet. <laughs> Walked out with a helmet. <laughs> yep, and he really uh, looks like an honest knight. Looks like. <laughs> yeah, until it comes off, then the truth of the horror, the, the horror, you know, monster that you are comes off. <laughs> so, how about we get into this? Uh, just so you guys know, we are trying something a little bit different. Um... <laughs> We are, uh, if you're watching live, we will be ending the show after the main topic, and the UTTs will be c- uploaded later, as well as be uh, separated into two podcasts. So um, our main topic will be part of the podcast, and then there'll be another release that's just on our tips and tricks. That way you can navigate your favorite parts of the show easier. We're also going to do this completely unscripted for the most part. Yes. Maybe an actual topic talk. Or better or worse. Mostly worse, I bet. Are you going to wear that the whole time? We'll we'll see. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's talk about some of the reasons why you would want to create your own fictional alphabet. Brandon, you said you've done this, which, honestly, I haven't. So that's not true. I did it for a puzzle once. I I, I use Cypher, the the ciphering where you just move things around a little bit. But why did you decide you wanted to create a fictional alphabet? To be honest, it's because, well... When you're in a submarine, it gets really boring. <laughs> That's the first part. <laughs> Secondly, point. one of my shipmates, uh, we, we were running D&D type of thing. It was a choose-your-own-adventure this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had his own story, and it was really good. Everything had a hook. And all I had to do was just say, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this, this. And there was no rolling or anything. It was just a okay. story he told. And he came across with this alphabet that he had made, this own language. I was like, That's really cool. I'm going to make my own. So I just made my own. You just decided that. That's hilarious. Just because I wanted to. Okay. Yeah. Ian, have you ever done anything like that? Probably. That doesn't seem like what you're doing back in middle school. <laughs> okay. Probably. Well, so I'll tell you that the reason I think that uh, creating your own written language is a great aspect of uh, a role-playing game as uh, written languages are everywhere, and they're a very good key to um, spreading different cultures, right? And we see that even in the, the player's handbook where we see the draconic text versus the uh, – the elven or dwarven script, right? It really stands out quite a bit. Um, 
And so not only do you get to spread this bit of culture, but it really just breathes life into your world that wasn't there. Um, for me, I think replacing common with your own script would be really cool. Um, that's just me personally, because everyone automatically assumes common is whatever native language you're playing in, which is yeah. usually English. Um, and I think that's very arrogant of us. <laughs> but uh, as I mentioned, the number one reason for me to do this is it makes puzzles and notes far more interesting, don't you think? It most certainly can. Like, how awesome would it be if, uh, Ian, you're the only character that speaks Dwarvish, and I wrote out a letter in the Dwarvish, Dwarvish script, and only you knew what it said. Like, maybe I give you one written in English and one in Dwarvish, but I pass it out to everyone until they hand it to you, and then you can read it out loud to the party in character. Oh, that'd be a nice touch. Wouldn't, don't you think? I think that would be just awesome. Uh, that sounds fun. And to me, that's one of the things that I think makes that really fun. So once again, tying it to... A, a fictional language that already exists with one thing, but coming up, everyone, most people do their own homebrew. So why not make your own language? Maybe it's your own ancient language as in uh, the Aragon series, right? Where uh, Christopher Paolini did that. He created the ancient language for it. And that really was a big aspect of that world. And then there's Tolkien. <laughs> yeah. He created two different versions of Elvish, didn't he? Only two? Was there more? More than I, I'm not. I'm not a huge Tolkien fan, so I just know that he made an Elven language. I know he yeah. did multiple versions and so. Dwarfish and Orcish and uh, and there's a reason why he did that because it really brought his stories to life, especially when one of the heroes shouts something in that language. You know, we, we I once again, I'm not gonna. I haven't read the books. Don't shoot me. Uh, I only read The Hobbit, and it, I fell asleep, and I was like, this is boring, and never finished it. That's but, the most simple one to read. Yeah, right. But I remember in the movie Lord of the Rings, the first one, The Fellowship, where the the elven chick runs into the river and shouts something in Elvish. Arwen. And I'm like, what was her name? Ar Arwen? Sure, go with that. Um, I know every D&D character is crucifying me right now for <laughs> not not reading those books or barely remembering the movies. But uh, I honestly thought it was mostly forgettable. But um what? Nothing. The talking talking shit? Arwen. Arwen? If you go my Lord of Rings, yes. Yes. What'd you say? I said Arwen. I was like, okay. is it Aelin? But anyways, oh, the point is, Hottie. is that moments, <laughs> moments in a story can be greatly, you can greatly increase the impact and the emotion just by adding your own language. So today, we are going to talk about really easy ways to do this. And man... I'll tell you what, it's easier than you can imagine. So today we actually found uh, on the internet, on Reddit by uh, – uh, I forgot the Redditor's name. I'm sure Alicia will toss it into the, the comments. But on Reddit we found a perfect 8.5 by 11 file that has all the rules for making your own language that you can just post right on your desktop while you write. Neat. Which I think is really cool. So we're yeah, going to break that, that down. Huh? You showed us that file. I remember that. Uh, I did. I so um, with that, how about uh, – uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to Crit Nation. I don't remember who shared it for easy reference, but thank you. That's how I found it and I had to backtrack it. So really the question is how do we do this, right? And there's a couple different ways that we can we can do this. First thing, you have to choose the style of your fictional alphabet. What do you think I mean by style? Which way do you read it? Well, that that's actually uh, another part. The flourishes – is it squared off? Is it sharp like Draconic is? See, is it nice and squiggly like Alvin? You know, if you haven't seen Brandon's uh, – what is your calligraphy? 
Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and he, you're on the right track. The flowing is the next part we're going to talk about. But what I mean by the style is, well, is it uh, hard? Is it rounded? Is it bold? Is it thin? You know, just little things like that can really make an impact on the style. A good example is the Dwarven language. Uh, in the play- player's handbook, it's very blocky, right? There's solid lines, straight lines. That's pretty much it, and they're all kind of just that's it. There's no flowing. There's no flow to them at all. What do you guys think about that? That does not fit the stereotype of their culture. It, right there, he nailed it. It shows their culture through the way their oh. language is written. So, what do you think the Elvish language looks like? Windy. Flowing scripts. Flowing, right? It probably is all together, rounded tips, big, giant, embellished, you know, you know, I don't know what you call that. A flourish. A flourish. Um, all those things. And when you customize your language, the style you choose is going to make a great impact and reveal a lot about the culture, which I... Re- <laughs> <laughs> That's right, like, really, Ian? Silver Wolf's like, really, Ian? <laughs> I made a show to his bonfire yesterday wearing this. <laughs> So, what are some other styles besides the two obvious flourish and um, the blockiness of the oh, two you would think of? What about scratchy and, and skippy would be something that would remind me, remind me of like Goblin or... Oil. Oh, that's really good. I like that. I'm not thinking Morse code. Morse code? Just a bunch of dots and lines? That's a really cool one. That's an interesting style. Because then you got to work how to redo the lines, right? Braille. Um, wow, that's, that's uh, bad. <laughs> or breaking runes are just lines because they're chiseled. Ooh, that's really, <laughs> Dulcinea says, uh, Ian went to the Ren Fair and came back with a helmet and, and personally, I believe it is now fused to his bald skull. <laughs> that's why it's still on. <laughs> um, all right. So the other thing I want to touch on, uh, in, I think is a really good style is, uh, pictographs. We see that a lot in Japanese kanji just and in hieroglyphics, right? I think hieroglyphics is more pictograph, Yeah. I think. Yeah. But those are two different styles, right? They're much easier when you know the vowels. Yes. I and now, keep in mind, we're talking about uh, writing, not necessarily language, right? We're not asking you to figure out how to pronounce it all, though you can, right? I... You can definitely go that route. Um, for me, it's all about writing because I ain't got time to figure out how to do it. Remember I told you I did the the... Like a cipher, right? Where I basically just shifted the alphabet and then made letters, right? It's very <laughs> simple, simplistic, but it can look really nice. What are some other styles you guys have, have seen that are, are written forms of uh, styles for fictional alphabets? Delsinia says that she built a code that was mostly made of triangles as a culture that used it mainly carved into tough stone like granite. Because it was easier, huh? That would make sense. So that reveals about the culture. Yeah, there's one. Whovian. Who? <laughs> Is that like a hoverboard? Whovian. Whovian? I think it's called Whovian. If there's any Doctor Who fans out there, uh, or anyone watching right now, if that's the proper term, I think it's called Whovian. That's, um, you know Doctor Who's a Time Lord? And he's, yeah. he jumps through time and stuff? His written Spoiler line, alert. <laughs> if you don't know that, you're... <laughs> like 16, what, 16 series or whatever? Goddamn. Seasons. <laughs> That's just his, a modern series. His alphabet, it looks like clockwork. 
Oh, that is cool. It is. So it's like these... circles with like lines in them that are. In a, in a way, yes. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like, one sentence is a circle, and it's got uh, all the wording is inside, and it gets small and smaller. And once it's done, you move to the next one. So, uh, it's funny you talk about that. That's a really good example. Have you guys seen Arrival? Yes. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. If you have not seen Arrival, you need to. But the aliens that come, they write in a circle, right? And it's very flowing, but it flows into a circle, which leads into our next thing, orientation and reading is the next way because we as Eng- uh, as English I don't want to say that because English are proper and Americans aren't but the way we read in English is from left to right and that's very straightforward but you can easily decide you want your language to be backwards so from right to left what about up to down right uh-huh. and as i mentioned in arrival they write in a circle so they read in a circle Right, so and the stuff can overlap and everything and intertwine, which I think is really, really neat. So, what are some uh, different ways that orientation and reading flow can make a unique? You can use to make a unique fictional writing. Well, I know I keep everything uh, comics from uh, right to left by actually because I read so much manga. (laughs) (laughs) So it messes you up. Yeah. That's a good one. Reading from the back of the book to the other direction, right? What about you, Brandon? What are some very creative ways we can do orientation and reading? Uh, page one is at the front. Page two is at the very back. Page three is number two in front. Page four is number two in the back. I think my brain just broke. That doesn't take much. <laughs> we got the Pokemon on. No, that's a really good one. What's that? The unknown Pokemon. They all represent letters. Not familiar. Really? I want to fucking quit yeah. this show. Point we're trying to say, uh, orientation and flow uh, should be something that you're considering next. Um, and obviously, up and down, left and right are the most obvious. But I like the idea of um, diagonal, right? Where you start at the top and you read down in like slash forms. So you get this really interesting flow, which is kind of a mix. You could also do um, uh, mixes where the first sentence is horizontal, and maybe the crossing sentence, like a crossword puzzle, could be interesting. Dulcinea, that's a movie she saw in physics class, so she can't remember the name, but that she got from Aliens, which was set <laughs> on a 3D surface, like a cube. Ooh. But the researchers attempted to match it up the pages on a 2D surface, which therefore made it too long to decode the message. Mm. There was, uh, what was the movie? It was, uh, Contact, I think, did something like that yeah. with Jodie Foster, where they had all these numbers and stuff, and it formed a, a map or an instruction manual, oh, but yeah. it wasn't until they looked at it in three dimensions that it made sense. It was probably a movie, yeah. So that's definitely something you could do. Um, Andrew says circular flow like uh, in Interstellar. I've not seen Interstellar, but Interstellar circular is definitely good a, a good one. I also think that a really good representation of language is in uh, Doctor Strange flicks when he uses magic those aren't just arcane sigils they're like they mean stuff right ideally well ideally right (laughs) no i think it's funny because you're like oh you could do it in this direction you can read it in this direction and my first thought was the walking dead uh don't dead open inside what (laughs) i've never seen walking dead Uh, you get it uh on hospital doors the left one says don't open now the right one says dead inside but if you read it like we would it says don't dead open inside (laughs) I see. Okay. Nothing. Nothing. But all those various memes that make fun of signs. <laughs> this place has healthy burgers. No, it says heal thy burgers. <laughs> Ooh. What? What about um? 
Crop circles. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. I think that that'd fall under like pictographs, wouldn't it? I guess it would. But geometry is another one. You see it in Full Metal Alchemist, yep. right? They put in these complex sigils that intermingle and mix and make new meanings, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a lot you can do when designing your own fictional language. Um, with these simple steps, it really does help a lot, I think. Um, the next thing you want to do is whether it's flowing or it's separate. Um, I think a good example of this is the English language. We write and we write a word and then there's a space and then there's – a word, and then a space, then a word, right? And that's how we write. But in cursive, uh, we at least can, we connect all the letters within a word and then flow into the next word. But who says there has to be a space between them? Maybe there's something else that separates them that's not a space. That, that would be kind of like the alphabet I did, like, okay. like I was saying before. It was a – I can't remember what I called it, but it was uh, – you know the machine they put on your chest and, and you see your heartbeat and it does that spike or whatever? A heart monitor? It, it has an actual name. Oh, does it? Well, that's I, what I it, that's what I call it. But the, that up and down, those Vs or whatever, that's why I based my alphabet off of was the up-downs. So oh, like, that's kind of cool. Like A would be 1, B would be up, down, and then depending on the size and the length of the uh, Vs, determine, determine the uh, letter. And for just one continuous flow, then. And for the next word, I would do a loop and then keep going. That's interesting. EKG. EKG. Yeah, that's what it is. EKG Thank you monitor. for the smarter audience out there. That's smarter. Andrew, than I'm us. giving you a point of inspiration. Good job. Oh, oh yeah. Electrocardiogram no. or whatever it's called. Maybe electrocardiogram. That might be it. Also, you only give inspiration on failures now. So that's my new mantra. I love it, and I'm gonna steal it. So, um. <laughs> Uh, I do want to say that um, I think that one of the other interesting ways we can do this is um, block. I, I think blockchain, which is stupid because that's nothing to do with this, but imagine if a paragraph was written with so many words in a sequence. So you can only do three words that are flowing, then you go down a line, three words, and then a line, and you go down and you fill a block like a column, but then you have another block right next to it. So you're reading each little column is a paragraph, and you're reading this way, but you're reading top to down first. I think could be really interesting. Delcinia, that that's very strange trying to think of speaking or writing words without a vowel. Like that ancient Greek, they have spaces between each other or punctuations. So, mm. um, so the other thing that I want to talk, John, is when you're creating your language, don't forget punctuation. Does it need punctuation? What about numbers? You got to create numbers, right? I mean, account unless you just have to write everything out. I guess. What do you guys think? What are some interesting punctuations? Uh, I like Tolkien's punctuation in uh, the Elven writing. Which I, is? Uh, I'm trying to remember. When I was in high school and I was like really big in the in Tolkien, I was trying to actually learn how to write out Elvish. And I remember like certain capitals and certain vowels, like what, like a lowercase e and a capital E look the same, but there will be three dots next to it to indicate that it's a capital or something like that. Interesting. And then with Egyptian hieroglyphics, it was surround proper nouns with a cartouche. What's a cartouche? I, I don't know what a cartouche is. <laughs> that sounds naughty. <laughs> Can I see your cartouche? <laughs> it's a symbol they use in the hieroglyphs. So. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. But that's that's a really good point. So, um, what? Delcinia. It's why the name of God, a.k.a. Yahweh, is spelled that way. Y H W Y is because vowels are relatively new, and I didn't fucking know that. Oh wow, I have no idea. Uh, anyways, so uh, 
Ooh, Thomas says, my buddy is making a language from musical notes and volume oh, tones. That sounds so cool. That is so cool. I love that. And I think, and this is just me imagining, but that would be perfect for like a fey type race who has like a sing-songy voice, right? So everything they do is kind of like a hymn. How cool would that be? And if they're if you're if they're like all from the same clan or group, maybe they talk together as one and it creates like a chorus. Oh my goodness, that would be so much fun. Are you are you seeing are you seeing the benefit of creating your own language? As just we're talking about it, we're describing these interesting details that just makes the story visible, vivid in your mind. Think about it. If you're fighting like um Goliaths, for instance, and you want to write your own language. Maybe it's a series of uh, Ian mentioned Morse code. Maybe they're primitive, so they can swing their swords. So they got lines, <laughs> lines for drawing, and they can stab their swords or their axes right into the ground. And so they got this very primitive Morse code type language. And that double so they can communicate long distances in drums. Oh, that is fantastic! So just boom, boom, boom. Is that how smoke signals work? Yes. That too. <laughs> uh, the, the, the little um, music notes things mm-hmm. gave me also an idea. When you're texting somebody, what is the most common issue that happens when you're talking to someone with text? No intonation. No intonation, so you can't tell if they're being sarcastic, sarcastic, or mad or angry or that. Because when you're reading music, Facetious. I don't know if you've ever, ever actually had to read music before. But at the I beginning, can't read music. it denotes its speed, like it's a uh, one fourth notes, four fourths, mm-hmm. uh, eighths, sixteenths, or whatever. Those could denote the emotion behind the sentence. Saying Ooh, the uh, four fourth note is anger that this person's writing in anger, or this uh, half note can, or it can be oh they're happy or something like that. Oh my god, that'd be so cool. Oh, that sounds awesome. And uh, Ian mentioned the drums, and I think Dulcinea's got a really cool point here. Some things you can't hear. Elephants communicate through low vibration sounds that travel miles, but are literally nobody can hear or feel, right? That, to me, is (laughs) – emojis are essentially hieroglyphs. That's (laughs) funny. In the future, people are just trying to decipher the emoji language. Um, I think that that's a really interesting uh, uh, take on it, too, because there's a lot of animals that – communicate in different ways now while once again while we're talking about writing there's nothing that says you can't you know turn it into a type of language and you compare it to compare it to an animal right what if you're fighting a bunch of uh i don't know you're uh the kenku for instance and they don't just communicate via words but clicks and cause right so maybe that that translate, translates into a thing like uh, Morse code, right? Something sh- short and abrupt that's easy to get across uh, uh, in battle or, you know, in conversation, I think. I don't know. What do you suppose a Mind Flayer's alphabet would look like? Ooh, that's a good one. So it's the same thing. It's like, well, they're, they're very telepathic-based. They don't speak a lot. I would say like some sort of color or emotion. See, that's interesting, though. That's an interesting thing because you're right. They probably – if they have to write stuff down, right? Well, they got a hive mind. Maybe they don't. They just have uh, creatures that just store information that they just reach out and pull it from. Uh, <laughs> go go see Dave. He's the angry one. <laughs> but that's something to consider when you're creating your languages. Who's it for and how does it fit into their society? Maybe the Githyanki use stars. <laughs> <laughs> 
for their alphabet. Ooh. Because... Like constellations? Yeah. That's fascinating. <laughs> so I would say you could follow along like the cryptograph or the pictograph, except it's just a series of dots to represent star, star, uh, star constellations. Right? That would be really confusing and very... Uh, Chaotic. Deceptive. How so? Because if you don't know what the constellations are, it just looks like a grouping of stars. Well, imagine how they would write it out. Imagine one page. Instead of it going in any sort of design, <laughs> it just looks like a bunch of dots everywhere, like a star chart. And uh-huh. each different word is a large group of stars, while the next one is evenly spread out, but stars are smaller to represent a different word or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Depth is what I'm thinking. I like that. That's pretty cool. What are you thinking? I keep picturing a language where you actually layer the letters on top of each other to form words. Ooh, that's nice. That kind of reminds me of uh, when Iron Man was inside the cave, and he wrote all of his stuff on separate sheets that were translucent, and then he, it didn't make sense until you overlaid them, and then you got a full picture. Yep. I think that's really cool. Uh, Andrew's got a really great point, and I like this because it fits the theme. He says maybe elves could have uh, symbols that resemble leaves, trees, and plants because there's enough of them in the world. To they can represent everything, right? We already know that. Even in our world, that's true. A rose. What does rose represent? Love. Love and passion, right? Why couldn't you do that for every sort of? Like I can see poison ivy plants design being an, a being an insult. Like, dude, you're just as annoying and irritating as a, a poison ivy rash on your butt crack. <laughs> and it's just like their code for being an asshole. <laughs> An itchy, annoying asshole. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, is there anything else that really you can do? And this sounds like a lot, but it's not really. This is like five or six steps to making uh, an interesting story uh, in, in Alphabet. You start with the uh, the style, right? The flow. What else did we talk about? Orientation. Orientation. I mean, it's not – it's it's so simple. And you can start with your own language. I would start with English, 26. I would just need 26 of them, right? Then I just have to learn what – or memorize what each symbol meant. You probably only need 21, actually, since some of the – like the exact same sound. Ooh, that's interesting. I'm that's also what – C and K and Q. Yeah, that that's another, an excellent point. Was not another point that was on that thing? Like uh, a CH makes a, that ch- – sound mm-hmm. but that you can make an entire letter just for that specific just for sound. that sound yeah and now you're getting so, uh, complicated because now you're tying sounds to it right yeah. and we know sounds different letters can make different sounds right all about which alphabet you use too yeah so <laughs> you remember remember uh we were younger we were kids we were going somewhere i think we were going to a hockey game he looked at my dad and he said ozo bay <laughs> And he looked he said, you just call me a bozo? And the look on your face said, oh, yeah. Uh, I do remember that. <laughs> oh, God. I think, it, I think it was more than that, though, wasn't it? We were watch, watching uh, Short Circuit, and I thought it was, Uskre Uye, Ozobe. Right? I do remember him looking at me wanting to beat my ass, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a diphthong? Yeah. By the way, the ch 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 is a so diphthong? A diphthong. <laughs> Giggity. See, I didn't know that. My, uh, my, I only speak bad English, so. All right. Do you guys have any other comments on this? Any other benefits to creating your own language? Besides that, your players can't read your notes if you learn to write in Thomas it. Thomas Kelly says using uh, dance. Using what? Dance. 
Like his language. Like bees. Ooh, I like that. I think I have to take inspiration from MJ there. The moonwalk. <laughs> when he like goes on his knees and toes. All right. Well, to include that, actually, for the one D&D playtesting, they've added uh, sign language. Mm-hmm. The Colin sign language. And if you learn... <laughs> I only language, know one sign language and it involves my middle finger. <laughs> sign language actually is not that hard. Uh, when I was working on Extra, I had a book. That's a J. And... I read through this book over and over and over again. I was like, okay, this stuff isn't that hard. Like, it's taco. <laughs> <laughs> it's, taco. He just put his arm, his arm chopped his hand. Taco. That's funny. It's weird. And th- there's like, there's no the, uh, or anything like that. It's a very straight, basic dog caught red ball. There's nothing. Not else a to bunch it. of extra crap. No. And since we're talking about making different languages using common, what if you have a deaf player who does use ASL and you're speaking with ASL too and you start using different sign languages that they don't recognize and they're like what's that and say oh it's a language that your character sees oh that is amazing I love that that would be really neat I don't think it'd be very difficult either I love the idea of even implementing something like ASL as like the the core for the game because you have somebody that's deaf at your thing so everyone is doing it at the table the whole time <laughs> i love how we're doing this like we know what we're doing we yeah no i don't know i'm just I, I waving my hands like a sorcerer that, what i like about it is a lot of things are very basic like that's tree it grows up out of the ground so he's holding his hand for you in the audience that can't see and running his finger through it's it and wiggling it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so it makes sense coffee yeah that's not what is that coffee oh that's not what I thought you said. All right, Hash, so hashtag I, that's a fucking sign now. Hashtag Crit Academy for life. <laughs> All right, I <laughs> think okay, that'll do it for our main that. topic. You gonna say anything, <laughs> something? Ian? Nope. Okay. Um, before we close out here on our main topic, I want to take a moment to uh, let you guys know that Exotic Equipment Perks, our new Kickstarter, is now live. Based on our weapon perks, which you guys have made our single greatest selling product. It's true. And it's amazing. So we've taken it. We've we've heard your calls for a physical book. So we obviously can't do that on DMs Guild. So we are re- we rewrote all the perks. We gave some new perks, which fit with the old ones. So you can combine it if you've got both books. Um, and we've also delved into adding perks to our armor. My favorite being the fact that the, the, the Lobi armor, the padded armor that nobody wears, if you're wearing it and you go unconscious... Somebody, when they do a medicine check, can pull off a part of the armor and use it as uh, a triage bandage. And not only can they roll to stabilize you, but if they roll a 19 or 20, you can spend a hit die and gain that many hit points, which is just awesome. Yeah, it really is awesome. love that book. Yeah, well, I'm glad. That show them, we they, all did. We did work on like, that. Really cam, so do you have? It's like, really? <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> but anyways, um, so yeah, the uh, if you want to support the Kickstarter, please head on over to rebrand.ly slash exotic perks. Please hit notify me. The algorithms for Kickstarter really likes that and will show it to more people when it launches. So if every listener that's listening to this and watching this does that – it would be really uh, – yeah. re- we'd really appreciate Even it. if you don't want it, it's just going to – Well, of course everyone wants it, but I know not everyone yeah. has the funds, right? I, I'm not going to lie. When I first saw the book, it's like I don't want to include this in my games. It might make them overpowered. It doesn't. And then I presented it to my players, and they are having the most fun time ever. Like the repost with the uh, rapier? Yes. 
uh, he used that finally for the first time. He's like, that's so awesome. I'm like, yeah, I know, isn't it? You dropped an AC from 17 to 12. Let me ask you something. Good job. Are you using it with your monsters? Because if not, you're missing out. No, I probably Because you should apply the perks to the monsters as well. Because mm. then the goblins all have different weapons, and they all can have different actions. So please consider uh, backing it today at uh, rebrand.ly slash exotic perks. If you'd like to support us, and uh, you can visit CritAcademy.com, follow us on social media, leave us a review, um, come and chat with us in Discord. I know Ian just posted all kinds of awesome pictures of his trip to a Renaissance Festival. Definitely do that. And if you want to talk more in depth about the things that we discuss on the show, please do it. I, I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes! Ah, crap, that nose, I just... (laughs) Oh, sorry. Do you need help scratching your nose? No. Are you sure? Yeah. I can put something up. You don't know where the fingers are. <laughs> I know. The drive to go further and reach higher. The same thing that inspires you inspires us. At Strayer University, we're always searching for new ways to make education more affordable. That's why we offer access to up to 10 no-cost gen ed courses to help you save time and money so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. No cost gen provided by Strayer University affiliates of Field Learning. Eligibility rules apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef.